CAH Pulse is developed by CARES Foundation to educate and connect the CAH community. Since our guests aren't scripted and are free to speak their minds, their views and opinions do not necessarily reflect the views and policy of CARES Foundation. Now, we hope you enjoy the podcast. Made possible by Neurocrine Biosciences. You deserve brave science. Hello and welcome again to CAH Pulse. I'm Stephanie Erb, actress, and I do have a child with CAH. This is part two of a two-part series with the amazing Leslie, who's been sharing her life's journey with CAH. First, let me introduce my co-host, executive director of the CARES Foundation, Dina Matos. Hello, Dina. Hey, Stephanie. I'm so thrilled to continue our conversation with Leslie, who has salt-wasting CAH or congenital adrenal hyperplasia, a rare genetic disease that affects the adrenal glands. So no one told her she had this condition. Y- yes, and it is incredible that her entire life until she was in her 50s, she was only told she needed to take her medication every day or she would die. Leslie shared the first half of her life's journey in part one, and I cannot wait to have her share the rest of her story. I know, I can't wait to hear the rest of it. So Leslie, what brought you to the United States? My husband's sister married an American back in the uh, 60s. She came as a nanny to the US. And so we, we came several times for a vacation and we loved it. We loved the lifestyle, the people. And so I looked into continuing my midwifery program. And so it was possible. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, let's do it. And so. And where in the US did you pick? Well, my sister lived in law lived in Cleveland, Ohio. So we came to Cleveland. Um, and people said, why? That's where I'm from. That's where I'm from, Leslie. Oh, really? Okay. Well, partly. I mean, my, my family has spent a lot of years in Cleveland. Are you there now? <laughs> Yes, I am. Oh, mm-hmm. hi, yeah. hometown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so we just decided that it was for us and uh, we knew we could have a good life here. And um, we were just, um, you know, in love with the U.S. and the people at the time and everything. So we wanted to come. Now, when you came here at the time, did you have to declare that you had this condition before you came to the States? just no. it was easy to hop from country to country back then now it's no, much harder no questions asked yeah. um, and I didn't have a doctor so it was kind of hit and miss anyway yeah I knew I had an adrenal problem and I knew it was called androgenital syndrome that was it that's the same kind of mindset I still had so Leslie you you came to the states and you said you didn't have a doctor no um, I had a family doctor and then eventually I did get referred to a diabetic doctor um, my primary at the time did not know where to send me so I just went with this diabetes doctor and he said he knew a little bit about adrenal insufficiency but he would learn so I was with him for about 12 years in Ohio and wow the care was not good he didn't really learn and he didn't take good care of you it sounds like he, he tried and you know um, I, I don't know if he was consulting with a colleague or not about the, the lab work um, but you know I mean one minute I was on a higher dose and a lower dose I was all over the place when you have a doctor who says he'll learn that that had to be scary yeah 
That happens a lot from diabetes doctors. That happened to my child as well. So were you sick a lot? Did you find yourself having crises a lot? No. I was working shifts again on an OB, a high-risk OB unit. And um, it was the shift work that was really taking a toll on me, not so much the medications up and down and all over the place. It was really the shift work. Um, so Yikes. then I realized, you know, I've got to get onto a day shift job. And I love that job. Absolutely loved it. I was so devastated that I needed to leave because I was getting sicker and sicker. Oh my God. But I wasn't really understanding it was the way I was being managed, you know, with the medication. Right. Because you probably weren't being given a higher dose at night. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. But, you know, I kind of had negative answers all my life. So it was more of same. Yeah. It didn't alarm me in any way. It certainly would today because I'm much better educated. But uh, so what happened? Did you dump this guy? Did you kick him to the curb? And who, who happened next? No, I moved to Florida. Oh, I went five years without a doctor. Wow. Because there wasn't one. Simple as that. And I just continued on dexamethasone, which is what he put me on. Oh, no. Which was... No, no, no. Absolutely wicked. So much stronger. Mm -hmm. Well, because he couldn't get good control, he thought, well, let's give her something stronger, I guess. That's horrible. You know, and uh, I blew up like a balloon. Absolutely like a balloon. So dexamethasone is a steroid, but it's a much more powerful steroid than hydrocortisone, which is the preferred um, medication for CAH. Yes. And dexamethasone um, can have lots of side effects. I mean, every medication has side effects, but- Dex is much worse. It's like, what, a hundred times mm-hmm. more powerful? I forget what the actual- Yes. statistics are but it's it's a controversial drug period so the fact that he would take that and give it to you did he monitor how you were blowing up leslie did he go oh you're just gonna have to deal with the fact that you're mm-hmm. turning into a moon face person mm-hmm. with all these steroid side mm-hmm. effects well it was also longer acting and i think he thought that either i was being non-compliant you know taking it two times a day let's just give her it once a day and see how she goes on. So, well, it's interesting because we actually know that young adults sometimes request dexamethasone because they don't want to interrupt their life and they feel like they'll take it once, but they don't realize the long-term mm-hmm. effects mm-hmm. and the damage yeah. that well, they're doing to their yeah. body. Yeah, and I think it's also quite a shame because you were a nurse and he didn't assume that you would take your medication properly. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. you went to Florida and you had no doctor. No. I just had the primary who kept prescribing and prescribing. And then the magic happened. Um, One day I was browsing on the internet and I came across Cares Foundation. Yay! And I'm like, what is this? I've never heard of it. I wasn't looking for it. I was down some rabbit hole and I found it. I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So I found Cares and I thought, well, what is this? So I went on the website and I'm reading everything and I'm like, oh my God, I don't believe this. There's a community out there that knows something about me. And I was just blown away. I, I shut the computer down, went back again several days, kept going back, looking at it, looking at it. And I thought, I've got to call them. I've got to call them. I've got to see if this is really true. If this is, you know, what I think I have, or do I have it or whatever. So I made a phone call to Cares and, um, Spoke to a very nice person. Oh, then said, would you like to speak to somebody else who has 
CAH. And I said, CAH, what's that? You know, she says congenital adrenal hyperplasia. Oh, okay. So I was kind of putting two and three together like that. I said, yeah, absolutely. Leslie, let me interrupt. How old were you at this point? 57 years old. Oh my God. So she connected me with another lady similar in age. And oh my goodness, I was shocked at what I didn't know and what she knew. And we talked for hours and it was just like the floodgates opened for me. And I just was rambling on question after question after question. And eventually she said, you know, well, you probably need to get, you know, better care. You need to find a doctor that can help you and da, da, da. So I went back to CARES and they referred me to somebody at uh, the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville. When I walked in, it was a male and I I don't do well sometimes with male endocrinologists and I don't know why, I just don't. I think it's a flashback to my childhood because they were all men with the doctors. And he, he looked at me and he goes, oh, you're on way too much medication. Right. And I said, why would you say that? And he, I, my face was bright red. It was like a tomato from the dexamethasone. He said, we're stopping that immediately. And he put me onto hydrocortisone, which... I had been on most of my life. Mm -hmm. So he switched me back and um, I stayed with him for a little while and I wasn't over happy with him. Mm -hmm. He didn't really listen, um, if I'm going to be really honest. Um, He didn't ask me questions. I had to ask him, I had to prompt him all the time. I'd been very submissive all my life with, with doctors. And so after joining CARES and, you know, being connected with another patient and starting to learn more about it, that gave me the confidence, I guess, to look for another doctor. And I did. This is a great point, that if you feel that your doctor is not listening, find another one. Now, the earlier generation, like my parents, just thought every doctor was God and you do what they say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think my dad would probably be alive today if he had found a better heart surgeon and not done what they said. Exactly. But this is a great teaching point for cares or anybody who's dealing with any issue medically is if you don't feel heard and if you don't feel you're getting all the information it's time to move on move on find somebody it's a pain to do but do it you will be so happy and I myself have gone to surgeons where I was like I don't like this guy and he seems very pushy and I didn't do anything about it you know and and you learn the hard way so Mm -hmm. I'm I'm glad that you listened to your guts absolutely so after you found CARES and you talked to this other patient, did you have a conversation with Alan and said, like, I finally know what I have or I think I know what I have? Well, I, it was, it was a quite fragmented in some ways because I still didn't have all the answers. I was still quite ignorant of a lot of aspects of CAH. I mean, I could only tell him what I knew at that point. But as time progressed and I became more and more involved with CARES, you know, I attended webinars and um, patient education days and things like that. As my knowledge grew, I shared more and more and more with him and he had a better understanding. It it was a, a learning curve for both of us. And if I had not found CARES, I would still be where I was when I was 57. I'm still in shock that you did not know you had CH until you were 57 years old. 
I, like I said, I knew my adrenals didn't work. I'd figured, you know, a few pieces of the jigsaw puzzle, but I hadn't got the full picture. And after joining CARES, um, they told me about the study at the NIH, which is the National Institute of Health. So I thought, oh, I'll participate because I'll learn even more. And again, I was blown away um, when I went there. But prior to that, getting into the study, you have to produce medical records. And so I had to get medical records. And this was where, when the bombshell dropped. I'd reached out to the, several hospitals that had all been purged in the UK. I had no way of getting the, the surgical or the hospital records. Purged? Why? Why were they purged? They, they purge them after eight years if you haven't had an actual visit. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So they just dump all the... Wow. All the information just gone. But I did get the records from the children's home. And um, that's when I say the bombshell dropped. I was reading there in black and white my history as a child, being raised a boy. I saw my name, everything. I saw that my birth certificate wasn't changed until I was 18. I was completely devastated. Um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to handle it. I talked to my husband extensively about it. And he was my rock. He, he helped me, you know, work through it and be rational about it. And then eventually, you know, after I'd read it like 50,000 times, I mean, this was a huge stack of papers. I then began to really understand all what I'd been through as a child. And, you know, I, I don't now look at that as a negative thing. I have grown from that. I have learned so much from that. I would never be where I am now being able to talk about this today if it wasn't for CARES because it was them that brought this out for me and helped me get the confidence. And, you know, there's that whole community out there and they get me, they understand. And it was just one of those aha moments Wow. So do you wow. find that as you age, your medications are dropping or is it very consistent or? I'm struggling right now. Oh, really? Um, because with the long-term chronic steroid therapy and being not very well managed, I had to have a left adrenalectomy when in 2015 because I had what's called a myelipoma and it's just like a fatty tumor and they just grow. And so they remove my left adrenal. Okay. And I've been told it's because I was mismanaged over the years, and that's how it occurs. And now I'm dealing with long-term issues from chronic steroid therapy. So I'm dealing with insulin resistance. Um, and so they keep wanting to up the steroids, up the steroids, up the steroids, you know, um, because I cannot get good control. But hey, I'm working with it and I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know? Well, in, in terms of, of trying to reduce the amount of steroids or glucocorticoids, there's um, actually a new medication that is um, hopefully going to be approved by the FDA soon called Cronesterfont. And there are others um, in the pipeline, as well as the gene therapy that is now um, in trials that Leslie mentioned. Yeah. How I see the future for CAH is really bright. I mean, the research that's been done, the new treatments that are coming out. I mean, these children are going to grow, you know, they're not going to have a lot of the issues that I've had to deal with over the years. What are the new treatments that you're um, speaking of? Like out? the new medications that are coming out and the, the gene therapy and, uh, you know, even the mm -hmm. injector pen, you know, for the emergency injection, it will be just a, a big advancement. I would have liked that. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
I mean, the, the great thing is that there's so much research um, for new treatments in CH. So hopefully in the very near future, you'll have some other options to help with that. Yeah. And unfortunately, I haven't qualified for any of the trials because in 2015, I had a hysterectomy. I went into adrenal crisis and um, I went into kidney failure. Oh, no. It was a big teaching hospital. They, it was all over my records, but I did not have a plan from an endocrinologist because I didn't have one at the time. I was in Florida. And I just assumed they knew. It's all over my medical records. I never challenged it. And it was only when I was unconscious for several days that my husband said to the nurses, are you giving her a medication? Oh, my goodness. Now, I had it before, during, and after, but then they stopped it. Well, and this this brings up another point. Never assume that they know. Exactly. And I have to be that. your own advocate. You know, a couple of years ago, there was a, a male patient who went in for an elective procedure and he ended up dying because they didn't stress dose him and didn't, you know, prepare him for surgery. They weren't prepared. Mm -hmm. So never assume they know. Even here in the US in, in 2023. Yeah. Well, I was at a big teaching hospital. This was not just some small little community because I didn't have a plan written out. Um, I guess they thought I didn't need it after they'd given me the initial stress dose. And so I was one step away from dialysis. Um, Is that why they won't accept you into the trial because of your kidneys? Because of my kidney function, yeah. And I'm perfectly fine. I, I'm not taking any medication for it. They function just fine. But on paper, they don't look good. <laughs> so, you know, for the trials, you have to kind of not have extra comorbidities as well. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, hopefully you'll qualify for the medication. Yeah, afterwards, I'll be able to take it once it comes to market. There should be no issues with that. Yeah, definitely. And I'm looking forward to that. And I, I'm not taking a huge dose. I'm on 25, but they want me up on to 30 or even higher. And I'm like, oh, right. But anyway, um, so now that I'm an active member of CARES, I, I just encourage everybody out there to, you know, join. And um, this is a wonderful community. You know, the research, the education, everything that's out there. I'm not plugging CARES. I'm just, I'm just kind of coming, you know, from how I feel about it. It sounds like sincere thoughts. And I was also curious, the person you spoke to, who was your first CAH friend, are you still friends with that person? Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. I love that. And along the way, I've met, you know, I've talked to a lot of young parents, um, a lot of other women. Um, you know, I love hearing their stories and they're, they they want to hear mine. And that connection is just priceless for me. And Leslie, you've got involved in, you know, some of the controversy surrounding, you know, surgery mm -hmm. and just as, mm -hmm. you know, a support group leader and connecting with other patients and families. I mean, Stephanie certainly knows this. It's something that you've never imagined you'd be faced with. You've never heard of CAH and these people need the support. They need that connection. They need to feel the same way yes. you did when at 57, when you finally spoke to yeah. someone who understood what you're going through. And I'm sure there's people out there who'll be listening to this podcast of, uh, who are feeling like that, isolated, lonely, um, you know, and uh, just joining this community. Even if you don't want to participate, just come and listen and just you know, educate yourself and be your best advocate, as Dina said, um, you know, I've learned to do that over the few short years I've been with CARES. So, um, but. Leslie, have you met anyone with CAH who is a senior to you? Like, I don't know. Are there patients? Yes. I had a chat. Um, when was this? Oh, about three years ago with somebody who was sev in the seventies. 
And I found out 10 years ago, my brother has it, my youngest brother. Excellent. He's a salt wafer. No way. Mm-hmm. And so how did he survive? They just said... Well, he's younger than me. Um, he's mm-hmm. um, 60, I think. And it, it was kind of interesting because I can remember um, somebody mm-hmm. along the way telling me that I had an aunt somewhere who had a daughter with it and they were wanting my records to trans- send to her so that they could follow some of the treatment plans. Um, and I don't know if they did that with my brother. I don't know. Was your brother raised with your mom or he was, he was, was he also in a home from birth? When I was taken into care, she was pregnant with him. I have other siblings and they were all removed from her. Wow. Do you have any kind of contact with him? All of them were very close. You would never know we weren't raised together. You would never know. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I met my brother when I was 16. And since then, we've always stuck together. And uh, you wouldn't, you would never know we weren't raised together. But yeah, I found out I had three brothers. That's an amazing, we need to write a book, Leslie. And how was your brother who has CAH managed? Did he have good care? I think so. He doesn't talk about it very much. He was raised very similar in that secrecy and you know it wasn't something that was discussed at the table Mm -hmm. yeah so can you talk about this secrecy and this stigma I mean well yeah I mean to find out when you're 57 years old to have to read it in black and white all your history your childhood and nobody told me any of this stuff and it was like it was hurtful that was the most devastating thing is why what were they so embarrassed about? What were they so ashamed about that they they put that on me? Um, you know, and I mean, do you do you feel ashamed? You don't feel it? Not anymore. I refuse. I refuse to feel ashamed and embarrassed. That's why I'm doing the podcast. That's why I'm talking about my surgeries. I refuse to go back into that. Um, it took me a while to get out of it, and I, I don't want to go back there. I have nothing to be ashamed about. I have nothing to feel the stigma anymore, and um, I know there are people out there still feel like that. I wish well, they didn't. And no, Leslie, you you've not. become an incredible advocate for CH. Um, you got involved in some of the controversy surrounding, you know, surgery, and just as support group leader and connecting with other patients and families because. Um, I mean, Stephanie certainly knows this. It's something that you are faced with that you've never imagined you'd be faced with. You've never heard of CAH. And these people need yeah. the support. They need that connection. They need to feel the same way you did when at 57 when you finally spoke to someone exactly. who understood what you're going through. Yeah, exactly. Everybody has a story. The surgery is such a small part of it. I mean, it's, that's not the everyday issue the ongoing issue is to you know keep taking the medication stay healthy and and live the best life you can live and my focus isn't on the surgery at all your focus is to stay alive and stay healthy exactly stay healthy and uh you know i'm quite happy to talk about it because now i i realize that i don't want others to feel like i did well, it's like, you know, decades ago, no one talked about cancer. They didn't use the word cancer. So it was the start of the, you know, kind of the same, you know, different sense, but because it didn't, you know, affect, doesn't affect genitalia or other things. But um, it took me a lot of courage. It took me a lot of soul seeking to, um, yeah, back when yeah. I first went to the NIH and read all that information. And um, 
And I, I can remember going on the first, I don't know whether it was a webinar or what it was with scares. I was terrified, absolutely terrified. I thought I was mute. I couldn't speak. I was in, having like a panic attack. And this is exactly, exactly what this podcast is for, is so people can feel like they are not alone and that you absolutely have nothing to be ashamed about. Right. Well, I think you'll also find in a lot of teenagers and young adults, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to be part of a group yet. They don't want to be labeled. They don't want to think about being anything except a don't typical want to be kid. Exactly. Yeah. They I don't mean, want you to be see different. these kids that go off to college, and unfortunately, over the last ten years, there've been a number of you know deaths because these kids go off on their own to their own apartment, and mm-hmm. they don't want to tell anybody. And then they end up in an adrenal crisis um, mm-hmm. or they go off to college. They don't tell their roommate. Or they go drinking. Yeah. You know? Or they go drinking. Yep. I did all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and still survived. Are, it's a miracle, really. You are a miracle. I will say that your story is a mir- miraculous one. Um, my story is a little bit different, I guess. Just, you know, I don't look at it as something negative. I really don't. Um I've grown from it and I've learned so much. And um, if I didn't have gone through that, I don't think I would be the person I am today. So to be able to sit here and talk about it so freely. Well, it is definitely true that hardships that you overcome make you a more strong and interesting person and also more willing to help other people, I think. And it's so important that you are. And I'm I'm open to any questions from anybody. Um, when I talk to these young mothers, I always start the conversation by saying, hit me with your burning question. And I know what it's going to be. Just ask it up front and then we can move on. And they do. And I, I know what that question is. So uh, and, they, and and that then, you know, relaxes and we can get into a, a good conversation. So. so, Leslie, are there any last thoughts or pieces of advice you have for someone who has CAH that you'd like to render forth for us? I just would, you know, like to say, you know, just reach out. And there's a whole community out there that's willing to support you and help you. And, you know, you can be your best advocate and, um, you know, keep yourself healthy. And for a parent, for a parent of a baby who has CAH, what would you tell them? That your child, there's no limits. The sky's the limit for them. They can follow all their dreams. They just need to take their medication. And mom, you need to let the umbilical cord go, you know, um, <laughs> cut the umbilical cord and let them grow. And I'm when I'm on Facebook, I see so many comments about, you know, my child bumped the head, shall I stress dose? And Oh, God, I see those two. It makes uh... You know, when I think about how I survived against all the odds, um, Today, these kids have got such a bright future. Live to a good age and uh, just be healthy. Well, I, for one, have loved hearing your story. It's quite inspirational. Thank you. Leslie, thank you so much for sharing your story. I can't thank you enough on behalf of the CH community for raising awareness, um, bringing education forth about CH, and for being so inspiring. It's an amazing story, and I'm blown away. Well, I hope... um, it has some benefit to everybody. So it already did for me. Well, thank you, everybody. And I, Stephanie, I am writing a book. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have to. That's quite a tale. I'm trying to, anyway, put it that way. Dina, I find Leslie so wonderful because of her resilience and her utter refusal to feel ashamed about anything. 
because there really is no reason for shame in this situation. It's a condition like any other, like diabetes, cancer. She wants to share her story because she wants others to have hope and hopefully feel as resilient as she does um, because of all that she's gone through with living in a home, not having a family to support her. I feel like she's the ultimate survivor, an example for anyone dealing with a medical condition where there's a lot of unknowns involved. And I just find that just unbelievable in the fact that she survived it and we're so grateful and so lucky to have her as part of the community. She is thriving and proud and willing to help other people. And I hope she writes that book. I really do. Thanks, Stephanie. This is CH Pulse, a CARES Foundation production sponsored by Neurogrin Biosciences. For more information about CH and to connect with us, please visit caresfoundation.org. A special thanks to our producer, Amy Brooks. And thank you for joining us. If you like this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. I'm Dina Matos. I'm Stephanie Erb. And we care. See you next time.